0: Many years ago, I was listening to a man tell his story, and he was preaching. Uh, I believe that evening at the, the church where I was a member at the time. And um, there's not a lot of sermons that stick with you for years and years and years, but I remember this man's story, his testimony, because he said that um, he. Now, the time he was speaking. Um, I believe he was already um, a pastor, maybe about to plant a church somewhere in the Northwest. Um, But he had been, for many years, uh, just a businessman working in the business world. And he told this story about how uh, one day he was at a conference uh, for his business. And during that conference, he was looking over a list of Goals that he had set for himself, things that he wanted to accomplish. And one of the things that he had written down on that list of goals was become a godly man. And he said, if I remember correctly, that goal had been on his list for some time, but like all of us, he had goals that he, you know, just wasn't getting around to, and that was one of them. And something about that moment when he noticed and and thought about that goal he had set for himself, something about that arrested his attention, and he said, I was completely oblivious to the rest of the conference as he started to think about how he could begin to fulfill that goal, how he could begin to make progress and becoming a godly man. Now, I share that story not to say that if you try to become a godly man, you're automatically going to become a pastor or a church planner. That's, that's not the point of that story. The point of the story is that there are times, right, when there are, when there are goals that we have sort of vaguely in our minds, or maybe we've even written them down on paper somewhere, but until they really grab our attention and we begin to make uh, serious plans about how to accomplish them, They just go undone, unfinished, uncompleted. And, of course, at the beginning of a new year is a good time to think about uh, the kind of person we want to be, the kind of things we want to accomplish. Most of us are already uh, thinking in those terms. At this time of year, it's a good time to take stock out of what we have done, what we have left undone, and what we would like to do differently this year. Now, of course, most people, as they're making goals, they're thinking about things like how much weight I want to lose or how many times I want to exercise uh, a week this year or or whatever. But as Christians, we often also think about how can we grow? How can we become better readers of the Bible? Or or how can we read more scripture this year? Um, Wouldn't you like to be a, a more faithful and mature and fruitful Christian this time next year than you are right now? Wouldn't you want to be someone who's more stable and more well-grounded? Wouldn't you like to be somebody who knows the Bible better and not only knows the Bible better, but whose life is more shaped by Scripture next year than your life has been shaped by Scripture this year? Don't you want to be blessed by God and be confident about your standing before Him on the last day? I think all of us do, at least at some level, right? And so that's one of the reasons why we have Psalm 1. I invite you to turn in your Bible, if you haven't already, to Psalm 1. Psalm 1 gives us a picture of that kind of person, the kind of person who is stable, who is fruitful, who is mature, the kind of person who uh, has reason to be confident about uh, not only their uh, present state before the Lord, but also their future state before the Lord. And the reason why we're given this picture in Psalm 1 is so that we will know how we can become this kind of person. So let me read for us this short but important Psalm right here at the beginning of, of the book of Psalms. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, what this psalm tells us is, first of all, the kind of person God wants us to be in verses 1 and 2. The kind of person God wants us to be And then he tells us what difference that makes for the present in verse 3 and 4. And then what difference that makes for the future in verses 5 and 6. In verse 1 and 2, he tells us the kind of person he wants us to be. He describes the man who is blessed by God, and what he says is the man who is blessed by God is someone who delights in God's word and not in the words and ways of sinners. In other words, the person who is blessed is someone who pays careful attention to who he listens to. The person who's blessed by God pays careful attention to who he listens to. He says there at the beginning, Blessed is the man. That word blessed is not a word that we use outside of church very much, but it's a word that means someone who is happy, someone who's enjoying all the goodness and good things that God gives to those who love Him and trust Him. It's what all of us want to be. right? We all want to be blessed. We all want uh, God to be pouring out all the good things he has to give upon us. And of course, it says, you know, blessed is the man, but it refers there to men, women, people of all ages. It's not talking about men exclusively, right? But just to all of us. Blessed is the man, blessed is the person who does what? Well, first he says what they don't do. The blessed person is somebody who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Meaning, the blessed person does not take the advice of those who are in rebellion against God and then walk in it. He doesn't listen to the sinful, to the rebellious, to the corrupt, and then do what they advise. Now, a little caveat here. There are times, and we see this in Scripture, there are times when ungodly people speak things that are true, that we should listen to. Right? He's not talking about that. Balaam was a false prophet, but he spoke true things. Right? There was a time when... um, Abraham was rightly rebuked by Pharaoh. He should have listened to what Pharaoh said. Right? There are times in scripture when ungodly people say things that are true and when that happens we should listen. What the psalm is talking about is those who are in rebellion against God You say well we're all sinners uh, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right? We acknowledge that. What this is talking about is people who remain in their sin, who persist in their sin, they're unrepentant, they don't trust God, and the counsel they are giving is out of sync with God's Word. The psalmist says the blessed man does not follow that counsel. He does not listen to people whose advice is contrary to God's word because their life is contrary to God's word and they don't want to listen to what God says and they don't want to do what God says and they don't want you to do what God says. The blessed man does not listen to those people, does not take their advice. He does not stand in the way of sinners. In other words, he does not join those who are walking against God's way and God's will. He does not stand in the path of those who are going any way other than God's. He does not sit in the seat of scoffers. The scoffers are those in Scripture who mock the things that God says. They don't merely choose not to believe them. They ridicule them. They mock at them. They scoff <laughs> Jesus is going to come back. Are you kidding me? That's never going to happen. That's the kind of thing that the scoffer says. The blessed person cannot join the scoffers. He can't sit with them, take his place among them as though though they were his community, they were his uh, group that he fellowships with. The blessed man does not listen, does not heed the advice, does not join in fellowship with those who are walking contrary to God's ways. That's how he begins. You've got to be careful who we listen to. The blessed man instead listens to God, right? Verse 2. But, on the contrary, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and, he medita- and on his law he meditates day and night. So you cannot hope to be blessed by God if the words that shape your life are words that contradict God's words. If you want to be blessed, you you need to love the words that God has spoken. You need to love the words that God has given us in Scripture. And so the kind of person... That this psalm is talking about is the kind of person who could write Psalm 19. Remember Psalm 19? It begins, the heavens are declaring the glory of God. The sky above proclaims His handiwork. And then it goes on to talk about how the law of the Lord is perfect. The law of the Lord is pure. It's, it's more valuable than gold. It's sweeter than honey. It's extolling uh, the, the glories, not only of God, but of God's Word, the wonder of His of His Word, Psalm 119, right? It's the longest chapter in the whole Bible. And what is it about? It is about how precious and valuable and good God's Word is. Psalm 1 is saying you want to be that kind of person. You want to be the kind of person who can say with Psalm 19 and with Psalm 119, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Right? So the blessed man is someone who delights in God's word, not just knows that he ought to read the Bible, not just knows or affirms, yeah, there's, you know, there's important truths in the Bible we all ought to build our lives around. Well, that, that's good, but this psalm goes beyond that. You need to love it. You need to treasure it. You need to delight in it. Well, how do you do that? Well, if you already love the Bible, there are two things you need to do to keep that going. You need to pray for God to help you continue to love the Bible, and you need to keep reading the Bible. If you don't love the Bible, or if you once loved the Bible, but you feel like that love has grown cold, there are two things you need to do. You need to pray and read the Bible. Because only God can awaken and kindle and rekindle that love for His Word. It's not something you can conjure up on your own. God has to work in our hearts to give us a love for His Word and to help stir up that love for His Word. But also, a love for the Bible is a bit of an acquired taste. It's something you have to practice, right? Think about, uh, I'm sure we've got some coffee drinkers in here, right, and uh, maybe some of you drink your coffee black, just straight up, right, nothing in it, I would wager that the first time you took a sip of black coffee, you didn't go, mmm, that's so good, right, you have to build up to that, right, you either start with a whole lot of sugar and cream and then sort of wean yourself off, or you, you know, you drink it enough times that you begin to like it, it's an acquired taste, It may be that one of the reasons why you have not really fallen in love with the Bible, so to speak, is you haven't given it enough time. You haven't read it enough for yourself. It... it, it, There's sort of two things at work here. One, God has to um, awaken and and plant that seed of of love for His Word in your heart. But then also you have to cultivate it. You have to fan it into flame. And if you don't read it and you tell yourself it's boring and you listen to people who say it's boring and you don't think it's relevant and all the rest, then you're going to sit down and read a chapter maybe and go, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. It's not that interesting. It's not that helpful. But if you talk to anybody who reads the Bible consistently... And anybody who loves God's Word, they'll tell you, you just got to keep reading. It is precious. It is relevant. It is valuable. It is life-giving. But you got to do more than give 30 seconds to it once every couple of weeks. Right? So uh, give yourself to reading the Bible and pray. Ask God to help you. There are all kinds of things that God expects us to do that we know we can't do on our own. That we can't do by ourselves. God, help me love this person. I, I know I'm supposed to love my neighbor and even love my enemy, and I'm having trouble with this person. What do you do? You pray, right? If you know you're supposed to love the Bible and you don't love it like you ought, pray. Ask God to open your eyes to awaken in you a love for his word. So we're to delight in the law of the Lord, and then he takes it even one step further, and he says, And on his law he meditates day and night. Now, this is not saying that uh, this is all that this person does, right? Because people have jobs, right? We have things to do. We have families. We have responsibilities. This is not meaning the only person who is blessed is the person who can sit down at a desk by himself all day long and devote himself to nothing but thinking about the Bible. Not even pastors get to do that, right? Everybody has other things they have to do. So what does this mean? What this means is that the Bible is regularly on your mind. Right? Meditation in the Bible is different than the kind of meditation we normally hear about in the culture. Right? The kind of meditation we normally hear about in the culture is Eastern meditation, where you empty your mind of all thought. Try to, try to make your mind sort of a blank slate. Biblical meditation is where you fill your mind with God's words, and then you chew on them. You, you ponder them. Um, it's, uh, it's sort of like you, you're muttering over them, thinking about them. We do this without even realizing this is what we're doing. All right, so, for example, when we're singing hymns, whether in your car or here in church, the best hymns, the best songs on Christian radio are full of Scripture. And as you are singing them congregationally or to yourself or belting it out in your car all alone, you are going over in your mind the truth of Scripture. One of my favorite hymns is... Um, how from a foundation, right? A lot of you who've been here for a long time, you know that. I love the hymn How from a Foundation, and one of the things I love about it is one of the verses, this is the second or third verse, is basically a quote of Isaiah 41.10. Right, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God, and so on. It's it's just a quote from Scripture put into a hymn. And so as you're singing that hymn, what are you doing? You're meditating on Scripture. You're 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 thinking about it. You're pondering it, And and when that hymn comes to mind throughout the day, as you're Driving or working or washing dishes or doing laundry or whatever, what do you do? You're meditating as you sort of sing that over in your mind. Or maybe there's something from from your scripture reading that day that just really stuck out to you, and you you write it on a note card and you stick it in your car, you stick it on your mirror. Every time you look at it, what are you doing? You're you're meditating. You're thinking over God's word. That's what the person who is blessed by God does. He loves the Bible. And so the Bible fills his day in various ways. Again, sometimes you're not even aware that you're doing it. As you're listening to Christian radio or you're listening to a sermon podcast or or whatever, it's the same thing. You're, You're meditating on Scripture. You're filling your mind with God's Word. So the main question this psalm is asking us is this. Whose words are you listening to? What words are on repeat in your mind throughout the day. You're, we're always thinking about something. right? Very rarely are our minds just blank. Right? We're always thinking about something. What are you thinking about? Whose words play over and over in your mind throughout the day? And the reason why that's so important is because those words shape the kind of person that you are and the kind of person that you are becoming. Right, look at what he says next in verse 3 and 4. What's the present consequence of who we listen to? Here's what happens for the person who delights in God's law. Verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. What about the wicked who don't delight in God's word? Verse 4. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Now, if I ask you how you would prefer to be described like a tree or like chaff. Everybody wants to be a tree. Nobody wants to be chaff. It just gets blown away. That's worthless. How do you get like that? The psalm is saying, the person who loves God's Word, who meditates on God's Word, who fills their mind with God's truth, that's the kind of person who is like a tree, who is stable, who is mature, who is fruitful, Right? He's planted by streams of water. The, the Word is nourishing you. Remember Jesus said, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God's Word nourishes our spiritual life like a stream nourishes a tree that's planted by the water. Its leaf does not wither. right? So it, um, it doesn't dry up and give up and die because it's well nourished. And all that He does... He prospers. Now that doesn't mean that you're going to be rich, right? But it does mean that God is going to make things work out well in your life. Think about Joseph. Joseph is a man that the Bible says God prospered all the things that he did. But he's also a man who ended up at the bottom of a pit and in jail on a false accusation. Right? So God prospering you doesn't mean that everything in your life is going to go well. But it does mean that God is going to go with, will be with you and that God will cause things that you do to succeed. So you might not be rich, but you will be blessed. That's the point. So that's the kind of person you want to be. You want to be this tree. You want to be fruitful. You want to be useful. You want to be stable. You want to be mature. And this psalm is saying the way to get there is to love God's word and to meditate on it all the time. The alternative is to be like the wicked who are like chaff that just gets blown away by the wind. Chaff is rootless. Right, It can't stay anywhere. Chaff is worthless. Right? It doesn't serve any good purpose. It's just useless. Right? Nobody wants to be chaff. Now, if you sort of stop there, right, and you say, okay, well, the wicked are rootless, useless, worthless. That sounds... Kind of negative, right? Um, is there any hope for somebody who finds themselves in that situation? You say, "Well, that's that's me. I mean, I wouldn't identify myself as one of the blessed. I don't delight in God's word. I don't. I'm not crazy about the Bible. I don't even really understand why some people are. So if that puts me in the other other category, or uh, what are you saying? Are you say my life is is useless? No, it's not what the Bible is saying. The Bible is saying, uh, well, the Bible says is that." God can take what is useless and make it useful. God can take what is fruitless and make it fruitful. God can take what is dead and raise it to life. But you've got to realize you're dead before you know you need to be raised to life. And the Bible is full of promises and stories about how God uh, can turn lives upside down. How God can renew those uh, who have... um, who have strayed and who have wandered away from him and how he welcomes those who turn back to him. So if you say, well, okay, well, I feel like I'm chaff right now. Does that mean I'm I'm hopelessly lost? No, not hopelessly lost, just temporarily lost. And if you'll turn to the Lord, you'll be found and you'll be new and he can turn you into a tree. He can give you a love for his word. He can give you a new life. He can give you a new heart. This is what the coming of Jesus is all about. This is what the gospel is all about. That God is able to save the sinner, the wicked, the lost, which is what all of us were, and maybe some of us still are. God can save you. God can change you. God can make you new. That's why he sent Jesus to die on the cross and rise from the dead. In fact, Jesus is the only one who ever fully lived up to what Psalm 1 is about. I, I think about these first few verses. Isn't this, isn't this a, a description of Jesus? Did Jesus walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers? No. Was his delight in the law of the Lord and on it did he meditate day and night? Yeah, absolutely he did. Well, how, how do we know that? Well, because the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Whatever you filled your heart with, that's what comes out of your mouth. What came out of Jesus' mouth? When he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, how did he respond? Scripture, Scripture, Scripture. When he taught people, what was he teaching them? He was teaching them how to understand the Scripture. Even when he was on the cross, what was coming out of his mouth? Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. He, He overflowed with God's word because that was his delight and that's what he meditated on. He was like a tree. He was fruitful. He was stable. People came to him for answers and for wisdom because they knew that he spoke the truth. Jesus embodied this perfectly. None of the rest of us do. And so if you if you find yourself on the side of the wicked, the Bible says you just need to turn to Jesus, confess your sin, trust in him and he will make you new. He'll make you like a tree. And for those of us who belong to Jesus, our purpose is to follow him. And following him means imitating him. And imitating him means being the kind of person that Psalm 1 describes. The kind of person who delights in God's word and who meditates on it day and night so that we can be like a tree. Now practically, how can we do that? How can we, if this is not something that you are accustomed to doing, Right, to the Bible being a regular part of your life. How can you begin to make the Bible a regular part of your life, more than just you know, hearing a sermon once a week on Sunday? What can you do? Right. <clears throat> well, I, I want to give you a few uh, examples. I, I mean, I could, I could spend the next 30 or 45 minutes probably talking about 100 different ways that you could make the Bible a more consistent part of your life. I just want to give you a handful. And right, so here's one. Um, the first one is going to kind of start on the, the easier end of things. If you say, I've never come anywhere close to reading the whole Bible, those Bible in a year plans completely intimidate me. Uh, I'm not even sure I've ever read a whole book of the Bible from beginning to end. Right, so the idea of reading the whole Bible in one year, that, that sounds like a lot. Well, here's what I heard a, a pastor friend share with me that he shared with his church at one point. Pick a book of the Bible. Read one chapter a day. And for many of the books of the Bible, if you read one chapter a day for one month, then you will have read an entire book of the Bible. Which a lot of people can't say they've done. Right? And to make it easy on yourself, pick, pick an easy one like the Gospel of John. Or the Gospel of Mark. Mark is 16 chapters. John is 21 chapters. Uh, They're both really easy to read. And if you just read one chapter every day, even if you miss a few days, by the end of January, you will have read an entire book of the Bible from beginning to end. And if nothing else, you'll know that you've read a whole book of the Bible, right? which might be something you've never done before. That would be a great accomplishment. And then if you think, well, that sounds pretty good, one book a month, um, that sounds manageable. I think I could do that. <clears throat> what if you read one book of the Bible <clears throat> per month for the whole year? Right? You're not going to read the whole Bible in a year because that sounds too intimidating, right? If that's too intimidating for you, just pick one book of the Bible and read one chapter a day each month. And if you do that, you can make your way through 12 books of the Bible in a year, So this time next year, you'll be able to say, I read through 12 whole books of the Bible. If you want to do that, and you don't know where to start, uh, there's some bookmarks in the back, laminated and everything. You can stick them in your Bible, they're not very large. And it has 12 books of the Bible, one for each month, starting with the Gospel of John in January. It has all four Gospels, and a few books from the New Testament, and a few books from the Old Testament. All of them are books that you can read in one month if you read one chapter a day. Some of them you can read even faster than that. Because uh, they don't have 30 or 31 chapters. So if that sounds like something that appeals to you, there are lots of these bookmarks in the foyer. You can pick one up, stick it in your Bible. It's This is super easy to do, right? One chapter a day, one book a month, and you can read 12 books of the Bible. Now, if you are accustomed to trying to read through the whole Bible in a year, right, and you want to keep doing that, we also have... Uh, some Bible reading plans in the back that will take you through the whole Bible once, and I think it's through the New Testament twice. right? So that's a, a, a little more challenging. It takes a lot more reading, uh, but it's, it's doable. Um, and if that's what appeals more to you, we've got several of these in the back as well. You can pick those up, fold them, stick them in your Bible, uh, and get to work on reading through the whole Bible in a year. What if you say... All of these are problematic for me because I just don't like to read. Or I don't have time to read. Or I'm not good at reading. Or every time I sit down to read something, even if I want to, three minutes later I'm asleep. You know, what do I do? Well, um, you can listen to the entire Bible for free online. Barbara put the, uh, the, a link for this and some instructions in the bulletin. Um, so, If you look in there again. And I sent out this link on our our prayer text the other day as well and and shared it on Facebook. There are lots of places you can find it. Max McLean, who's a world class um, reader and performer, um, he has read the entire Bible. And uh, there are lots of places you can buy the recording of him reading the whole Bible. But if you go to this website, again, it's in the bulletin and other places. Um, there's a website where they have already broken up the entire Bible into daily readings of 10 or 15 minutes a day. It reads through. Uh, the, it, it, Barbara tells you in the in the thing. I think it's an Old Testament passage, a Psalm or a Proverb, and a New Testament passage. So there's three different readings. And all you do is you go to the website, you select the day that it is, January 5th or you know March 2nd or whatever day it is, and hit play, and it'll play. The scripture for you on your phone or on your computer, wherever you are, so you can do it while you're driving, while you're washing dishes, while you're cooking dinner, or whatever. And it'll take you through the whole Bible in a year if you listen to it every day, right? So you don't have to read, right? And everybody's got downtime, whether you were driving or working or whatever. You put your earbuds in, put your headphones on, turn on your car stereo or whatever, and listen to it. And you can listen to the whole Bible for free uh, in a year. So if you don't, if reading is the is the part that makes it hard for you. Just listen, right? Just listen. Uh, And if you miss a day, don't let that get you down. Don't get discouraged about that. You're still probably reading or listening to more of the Bible than most of the people that you know, maybe more than you've ever listened to. So those are just a few practical ways that you can do that. You don't have to do any of those ways. You can have a different way, right? But I encourage you to do something, right? Make a plan to do something to fill your mind with Scripture this year. Last thing I want you to see is verses 5 and 6 practically it makes a difference in the present, right? You want to be like a tree and not like chaff. That's verse three and four. What about the future? Verse five and six. He says, therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is just one more way of saying what the Bible says all over the place. The way that you live now, the choices you make now, whether you trust the Lord now, whether you follow the Lord now or not, matters not only for the present, but also for eternity. Right? Because the way of the wicked will perish. But the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Those who trust him, those who follow him, he gives them eternal life. Right? But those who reject him, those who rebel against him, it doesn't go well for them in the end. Right? There's judgment, punishment, exile permanently for those who refuse to listen to the Lord. So the question that Psalm 1 asks us is, what kind of person do you want to be? It's a massively important question. God wants us to be blessed. He wants us to share in the blessings that he has promised to those who trust him, who listen to his word, who follow his word. I want to be that kind of person. I want you to be that kind of person. And I pray that the Lord will make it so. Let's pray.